Welcome to my own little soapbox, where Andrea Bean Gibson stands up for wives and mothers, daughters and sisters that don't have a platform to discuss what really matters. Join Andrea and her father-in-law, Dr. Brant Gibson, as they discuss things you've wondered about and even some you may never have thought of. Now, on My Own Little Soapbox. Hello, I'm Dr. Brant Gibson, and I'm here with Andrea, and we're excited to be back together to talk about one of her favorite subjects. <laughs> yes, um, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback about our baking episode, and so I thought that I would go ahead and expand on that. So this is kind of going to be baking part two. We're going to talk about pies and pastry dough. Pies and pastries. Mm-hmm. Even, even the thought of it makes me hungry, so... Yeah, me too. <laughs> I better bake some pie tonight. <laughs> so pies and pastries, that's a huge subject. There's yeah. a lot you could talk about. So where do you want to start? So today we're going to start with um, just standard pie dough. Um, it's a pretty standard pastry. Everybody's familiar with pie, hopefully. Um, but, you know, th- there are some things that might surprise you about pie, actually. Uh, Many people don't know this, but in a commercial kitchen, there are often two types of pastry dough that are that go into one pie if it's a two crust pie. Um, Before you go into this, let's make sure people listen because this is important because what you're going to find is some people are saying, well, this person makes pie dough and it's so good and my pie Mm -hmm. dough is never good. And she's going to tell you the secret between the two different types. And by knowing this, you can improve your pie recipes. And so you say, okay. at this part of the pie, I'm going to do this, and this part of the pie, I'm going to do that, and this is if it if it turns out a certain way, this is why, and all that kind of stuff. So we're going into all of that. So listen carefully. Exactly. So uh, what I, I want to go over first is, um, I guess, the definition of a two crust pie would be, you know, a a crust or a pie with a crust on the bottom, which is what we call the shell, and then a crust on the top. So like a fruit pie is usually done that way. Um, or like a meat pie. It can also um, be a, a pie with the cross hatching on top that's called lattice work. Um, and when there's like a fun design, that's those are all two crust pies. Um, so that's what we're talking about right now. And usually you're using two different pie doughs for that. Um, they're made from the same ingredients, but they are mixed differently. So we're gonna go into a little bit about the mixing differences uh, right now, as I try to change the size on my text document so I can actually see the words. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, okay. So, the two types of dough that we're going to be dealing with when we're talking about a two crust pie um, are flaky and mealy uh, dough. And so, let me let me go into what pie is usually made of before we talk about um, those differences. So, sorry, I am having some technical difficulties up in here. Give me one second real quick. So she she's gonna talk a little bit. So what is yeah. what is a flaky dough as you're so, as having your technical difficulties? Let me, <laughs> I'm almost done. Okay, I got it, there we go. Okay, 
So when we're talking about pi, we're talking about, um, I'm so sorry. Okay. Okay, so flaky dough, like you asked about. Flaky <laughs> dough is, when it's baked, it comes out flaky. And it's not very sturdy, but it's very delicious because it's got that flakiness. It's got that sort of crunch that you associate with nice flakes of dough. Um, and, and most of the time when people say, oh, this is this is a really good dough, that's what they think they're looking for. Right. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so, but mealy dough, you're going to be looking at um, a, a sturdier product in the end when it's baked and it's very substantial. But it doesn't flake as much. Now, it should flake a little, um, but it doesn't flake as much as a flaky dough will. Um so, but you're using both. You're not just using one. The thing about the, the two is that we use flaky dough for the bottom crust of a pie because it's strong enough to hold in all the goodness. You, you mean mealy oh, sorry, dough, Sorry, right? mealy, mealy. Sorry, that, yeah, I did mean mealy. Yep, mealy dough we use for the bottom of the pie because it's, it's sturdy and substantial and it will hold in all the goodness. Um, flaky dough. I'm looking at my notes. I don't know how I did that. <laughs> um, flaky dough is for the top so that you get all that flaky d deliciousness because you don't need as sturdy a top for the top because you're not trying to hold anything in. I mean, steam and juice, but it's not it's not what the where the structure needs to be as much. So you can have all that beautiful flake on the top because you don't want a hard structure all around your pie, you know? Um, so that's, that is the difference. Now let's talk about how to get those difference. Um, it's very subtle, the, 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 um, mixing difference, but it's important. So when we're talking about a pie, both doughs are made up of a few basic ingredients. It's flour, it's water, maybe milk, a little salt, a little sugar, and fat, it's usually butter or shortening. Some people use like lard or an animal-based fat, depending on the type of pie they're making. But I think of pie crust in terms of butter or shortening. Um, so that is what I'm gonna be talking about today. Now the difference between flaky and mealy dough is how big your chunks of fat actually are. Um, and first off, I wanna say that you want cold, cold, cold fat. The colder, the better. Um, for both types of dough. You, you just, you want it very cold. And we'll talk about why later on, but I, I just have to emphasize that it's gotta be cold. Um, for the flaky dough, um, now for both of these doughs, actually, you're gonna wanna cut your butter into cubes before you start, but not too small. Because for the flaky dough, you want chunks of fat that are about the size of large macadamia nuts after they're mixed. Um, and then you add cold water and mix everything together just until it's combined. So you're adding the butter to the flour and the salt and the sugar. You're mixing that up. You've got macadamia nut sized pieces and then you add your water and then everything comes together or your milk. Um, cold, cold water. <laughs> but for the mealy dough, so you've got big chunks of fat for the flaky. For the mealy dough, you want butter chunks that are small, like sandy small, so that your dough looks mealy before you put it all together. Um, 
If you leave large chunks of butter in your dough, the butter melts and creates layers in your pastries, which will make it flaky. Um, so, and that doesn't give you the structure you need. Smaller chunks of butter mix with the flour and they create the stronger gluten bonds, which form the structure of your mealy dough. Um, and we talked about gluten bonds in our last podcast. Uh, we talked about bread a little bit. So if, you, if you're curious about what I'm talking about there, go and listen to that one. Um, Cause that'll give you all of the, the gluten information, the hot topic on the gluten. How it works and so forth, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you want to keep, you want to keep your, in your flaky dough for the top crust, big chunks, mealy dough for the bottom crust, little chunks of fat. Um, it's really easy to overdo it on either side. It's really easy to make the chunks too small for flaky and too large for mealy. Um, so just kind of watch, watch your butter as you. Can you make them too it. large for flaky? You can make them too large for flaky. If you make them too large for flaky, you're not going to get flakes. The butter's all just going to melt out. It's just all going to melt out of your dough and you're going to get a greasy product, which there are other ways to get a greasy product. And we'll talk about that in a minute too. Um, <laughs> I wanted to say though, the reason I keep saying cold, 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 cold is um, we, we talked about it earlier. It is imperative to keep everything as cold as possible um, when you're baking a pie, except for the oven. Um, we, we want the butter cold, we, or the butter of the shortening and the water cold um, so that the butter doesn't incorporate into the flour and everything just becomes mush. You won't get flaky or mealy dough from warm butter. You'll just get a brick once it's baked. It's just, it's gonna be hard as a rock. So um, there's a delicate balance with the butter. Once everything's mixed, you wanna chill your dough actually, once you have it in a, formed into a ball, you wanna chill it in the fridge for a couple hours uh, before rolling it out. And then again, after it's rolled and one more time for good measure after um, you've got your, <laughs> you've got your dough you're yeah, you've got your dough in the no, your dough. Okay, in, the dough in the when it's in the in, in the pie the tin. Okay. Yeah, in the pie plate or tin or whatever you're using, and then once it's filled, you want to chill it after that. Um, you want everything cold, 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 and after the top crust is on too, you want everything cold. Um, and with that, you don't put hot filling into a nice cold crust because that's just going to make everything warm again. Melt that butter right out of your pie before you can say soggy bottom. Um, you want to you wanna let that filling cool before it goes into the crust and then chill the whole pie before it goes in the oven. Um, and you want your oven hot as you can possibly get it when the pie goes in. Um, my, my chef always said in class, cold pie, hot oven. That's, that's the rule of thumb for pie. You want your pie cold so the butter stays in place for as long as possible. And you want the oven hot so the fat doesn't have time to seep into the dough before it melts. Seepage results in dough, greasy, like we talked about before, not flaky crust. If your pie isn't cold, your butter will just melt out of the crust and you'll have the same issue as if you had didn't have a hot oven. So blech, cold pie, hot oven. Um, so that's, that's what you want for two crust pie especially. Um, I want to talk about blind baking for a second because um, this is a different situation than a two crust pie. 
Um, so if you've watched the Great British Baking Show, you've probably heard them, uh, heard the judges comment that some of the pies have a soggy bottom. Um, now you you don't want that. That's not a good. That's not a good thing to have in your pie. Um, but how can a soggy bottom be avoided on your pie? Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, most pies have a wet filling. Um, and if I, I really can't think of a pie that would be good without a wet filling, but <laughs> most pies do have a wet filling, which causes a lot of issues for how the bottom crust bakes. Um, if the inside, if the filling and the top cook too quickly, the bottom doesn't get a chance to bake. And if the filling is too wet, it can seep into the bottom crust and it goes soggy. Even if the bottom crust had a chance to bake, it can it the wet wet filling can make it soggy. So gotta watch out for that. Um, for a two crust pie like an apple pie or a meat pie, like we were talking about before, with um, the two different types of dough, you've gotta just allow the bottom crust to have enough time to bake. That's pretty much all you can do. Um, this can mean covering the top of the pie with tin foil partway through baking so that the top crust doesn't burn. You want to do it partway through baking so that the top crust gets a chance to brown, but you don't want it to um, you don't want it to burn. Right. So you do want to put that that foil on top sometimes. And make sure that you leave your vents open because in a two crust pie, you're always going to have little slits in the top. If it's lattice, you're going to have the holes from the lattice. And if it's um, just like a covered completely pie, you're going to have slits in the top. Those slits are not just to look pretty. Those are to let air out. So you want to make sure that that tinfoil is not covering up those slits too much because you've got to let out all that. There's um, there's steam that's going to come out and there's air that's going to come out from the heat of the oven. And so you've got to let that out or your pie is basically going to pop. Um, anyway, messy, that was a bit of a tangent. Yeah, yeah, that that would be quite messy. So in a bake shop, actually, in the in the class that I took, they had a deck pizza oven. And this was honestly the best for this type of pie um, because the product on a deck pizza oven sits right on the bottom of the oven because it's, it's ceramic on the bottom. And so that ceramic bottom heats up and it allows the heat to penetrate directly into the bottom crust. So it helps you avoid that soggy bottom um, and lets that bottom crust bake correctly. Now at home, I'm assuming that most people don't have a deck pizza oven. And if you do, I'm jealous and come let or let me come use it because um, I will make all the bread and pies. So, <laughs> so what you're saying is your perfect kitchen would have a deck pizza. Oh, yeah, it would have a deck pizza oven and I would make all of the baguettes. Man, <laughs> there are a lot of things you can use a deck pizza oven for. They're not just for pizza. Um, yeah, we did most of our breads in the deck oven, except for our rolls. Anyway, so, but I'm assuming that you don't have a deck oven at home. So what you want to do is in your home oven, you want to put your pie on the bottom rack um, because the heat in your oven, as long as it's not on broil, is starting at the bottom and rising up. If you have the pie on the bottom rack, the bottom will get that direct heat um, and it'll go directly into your crust. Um, and and cover that top, you know, because it's got to have the time too. Uh, yeah, so, but not all the way through. You don't want foil on top all the way through the bake because that'll just steam your pie and that's not yummy. Um, <laughs> okay, so, but 
so that's for a double crusted pie. There are other things you can do for a single crusted pie, like a custard pie, like a pumpkin, or a cream pie. And blind baking is your answer there. Um, now, blind baking, for those who aren't familiar with the term, um, and if you've watched Great British Baking Show, you probably are. Um, anyway, blind baking describes the action of baking the pie shell, the bottom crust, before the filling goes in. Um, there are two types of blind baking, actually. And the first is called the full blind bake. Now, for a full blind bake, you want to use... You want to use that when you're doing like a chocolate cream pie or a filling that doesn't need to cook in the shell. So my mom makes this amazing chocolate cream pie and it's she she cooks all the filling right on the stove, all the custard on the stove. And then the the shell is baked all the way through and then she puts all that custardy chocolatey goodness right into that pie, lets it cool, whipped cream on top, she's done. You know, so that's what that's the kind of thing you want to do with a, a full blind baked pie shell. You get that by letting the pie shell bake in the oven until it's golden brown and then cool, up, cool that sucker off and then you add the filling. So why don't you talk a little bit about blind baking? Because you can't just put the crust in the in, in the um, pan and then just put it in. You have to poke holes in it and stuff right. like that, right? Or right. That's true. But we want to talk about both types of blind baking before we get into how to do it, right? Perfect. Do it. Okay. So I want to talk. So the first, the first one we were talking about was a partial or a full blind bake. And the right. second is the partial blind bake. So the partial blind bake is just what it sounds like. Um, you, you bake it about two until it's about two thirds done. And then you take it out of the oven. Um, that's used for like a custard filling that'll need to like bake in the pie. shell. Yeah. Like a pumpkin pie. Um, and yeah, exactly. Pumpkin pie is exactly the one. Um, it's the most common one that would be used, used that partial. Yeah, there are other ones, but that's that's the best example I have. Um, yeah, so once you've got the, that shell about two thirds done, you cool that off, add the filling, and then the pie will go back into the oven and finish baking. Um, oftentimes, the outer crust is gonna need some of that foil that, that we talked about not all the way over the top, just over the crust to keep the crust from burning um, because it's already been baked a little bit. And if it's already been baked a little bit, baking it more is gonna make it browner. So put that foil around the edges and then your custard will bake, but your um, the part of the crust that's exposed will not bake as much. So let me talk about why we do the two different ones and then I'll give Perfect. tips about blind baking. So you wanna use a partial blind bake for a custard pie because if you think about making a pumpkin pie, the filling is very watery before it bakes. And wet filling is gonna seep into that raw dough like we talked about before. It's gonna keep it from baking properly because the water to pie dough ratio is gonna be off at that point. So, you're gonna have a soggy bottom. Now, partially baking the shell before filling it keeps that excessively wet filling from seeping into the dough before it has a chance to bake. It gives you some structure before you put that filling in. So um, that's why you would do that in that case. And of course, this is all just like in a perfect world. In a perfect world, we would all have time to blind bake, but some people don't. 
Um, but yeah, let's talk about, you asked how. You asked how blind baking should happen. So blind baking can be a little bit tricky, yeah, this, depending on the recipe. The reason I'm oh, asking yeah. is because I used to watch my mom do this. So she would yeah. she would get those all ready for her her uh, uh, banana cream pie and her mm -hmm. coconut cream pies, which are the two that she loved to make. So Delicious. Yes. And I have had those recipes. I have not, you know, I've never had a chance to have her make them, but I've had those recipes and they're good. Um, so, yes, let's talk about that a little bit, though. When you're blind baking, you've got to go in cold. The dough's got to go in cold. Cold pie, hot oven, right? So this is the cold part of cold pie, hot oven for a one crust pie. Um, pie dough is used to having the filling to weigh it down. But if you're blind baking, the filling's not there to weigh the dough down. So unless it has something to do that, it's going to puff up and it's going to get misshapen and your filling's not going to fit in the shell. So in school, to counteract this, we would actually, and I want to mention one thing before because you, you brought this up and I didn't put it in my notes. Um, you want to prick the dough when you're going to blind bake it. Just give it a few pricks with a fork to let excess moisture escape. Um, yes, so, but in school, when we were blind baking dough, we had tin foil and dried white beans, and there was a big barrel of dried white beans that we had, and they were used for nothing else but blind baking dough. And we would take scoops of these beans and we would put them in the pie shell, or, you know, tin foil first and then beans in the pie shell. And then you would put them in the oven and bake them until the shell's about two thirds of the way done. And then for a partially baked um, shell, you're you're done at that point. But for a fully baked shell, you would you would bake it the rest of the way through until it was golden brown, without the beans in. Because at that point, the crust has been weighed down enough, but you're not going to get a nice golden brown if you if you leave those beans in. So you want to take them out. Um, the thing about using the beans <laughs> was that they stink. They stink when you bake them and they stink more the more you use them. So instead of beans, if you want to try this at home, you can, they, they make ceramic beads that you can specifically buy for pie baking. They call them pie beads. And if you want to have that unitasker in your home, you totally can. Um, but I've also used dried macaroni and it does the same thing. Um, it turns brown in the oven, but it shouldn't burn as long as you don't leave it in there too long. And in fact, I think because the top layer tends to get brown. And so I even mix them sometimes partially through the blind baking process because then you don't get <laughs> burned ones on top. Um, yeah, so it, it works fine to use dried macaroni. I wouldn't use any other noodles because dried macaroni are dense and so therefore their mass will kind of weigh down that um that dough a little bit better than something airy like a i don't know tortellini is the only one i can think of but that's a stuffed pasta and it wouldn't apply here <laughs> <laughs> the goal the goal literally is just weight you're looking for yes. weight that kind of thing exactly now one of the things my mother used to do because she wouldn't do either one she would just actually 
do lots of holes in the bottom to keep the yeah. air out and mm -hmm. it doesn't work as perfectly you're not gonna have a perfectly flat dough like you would if no. you weigh it down but it yeah that's what work. i did as a kid yeah it does work you just have to prick way more holes um and yeah that's what i did that my my grandmother has uh an easy pie crust recipe and it really is very easy it's the easiest one i've ever done you actually don't use a solid fat for it you use vegetable oil um and mm. and we never blind we never use beans for that one we just prick it and it usually works out fine um but if you want a more perfect pie ideally one would use beans um <laughs> Also on the Great British Baking Show, I don't know if this is true in the US, but they used, um, I can't think of the American word for it right now, so I'm just gonna use the British word and then hope the American word follows. Cling film. What is that called? Cling film? Cling film, yes. Cling, so. Plastic wrap, that's plastic what we call wrap. it here. We call it plastic saran wrap. wrap. Okay. Saran wrap or plastic wrap or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cellophane basically they used that instead of tin foil and they said that it wouldn't melt in the oven i've never tried this because i am terrified of it because i don't know if it works here but it worked on the show but i don't know that's tv and this is real life so i use tin foil um but if you're braver than me you might want to try that maybe i don't know <laughs> don't come to me if it doesn't work though because it super might not um anyway so that's my bit on pie if you want to avoid a soggy bottom you're going to want to blind bake your crusts um, for one crust pie for a two crust pie. Just make sure you're placing that pie in the oven correctly and using tin foil for the top so it doesn't get burned. Yeah, nobody wants a soggy bottom. Nobody wants a soggy bottom. <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants a soggy bottom. It reminds me of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? It's one of my shell's favorite movies, my sea store. Because <laughs> they're the soggy bottom boys. Yep. All right. And now I'm on a tangent. Let's talk about a different type of pastry, though. You're listening to my own little soapbox. Have you ever wanted to get more done in less than half the time? What if you could finish your projects five times faster? Hello, my name is Dr. Brent Gibson, and I have often wished I had more hours in the day. As a physician with 11 children, my life is really busy. I am constantly looking for a way to squeeze more into each day. Can you imagine what it would be like if I had 25, 26, or even 27 hours? That is why I started a journey and have read hundreds of self-help and self-improvement books. I have paid thousands for business coaches and even life coaches while also spending hours taking courses and learning everything I could. I found many helpful options, but I have always had one nagging problem. I could still get distracted, discouraged, and even procrastinate something I wanted or needed to get done. After years of searching, I found a powerful solution that has given me the ability to accomplish five times more in that same 24-hour period. So everyone else has 24 hours, but by doing these simple tasks, these simple processes, I was able to grab additional hours in the day without getting those hours. And this is a revolutionary book. It is important to me that you get your day back, that you get more time. So I have purchased a copy of this book for you and all that you have to pay is shipping and handling. In this book, Unhackable by Carrie Oberbrunner, you are given the steps to close the gap between dreaming and doing in just 30 days. 
30 daily missions to give you back control of your life and give you more time. It continues to work for me, and I want to give it to you so that you can start reaching your goals, living your dream, and enjoying the extraordinary life you were born to live. So go ahead. Visit www.beunhackable.com books and get your free book in the mail. That's www.beunhackable.com books. Isn't it time to become an unhackable so you can accomplish more in a fraction of the time? www.beunhackable.com slash books. Get yours today. Welcome back to My Own Little Soapbox with Andrea Gibson. Okay, now we're going to go to pastries that... I really like pies. I always have. Apple mm-hmm. pie is my favorite. But my sister used to make cream puffs is what she used to mm-hmm. do. That was her secret. That was her, her if she got, had the opportunity to make treats, that's what she always wanted to make. And she was really, yeah. she, is, she still is really good at them. So, mm. Well, we should get together and she should give me pointers because I've only made them a couple of times and they've worked out, but you know, she could probably help, help me make them better. She um, would probably direct you to her daughter who actually does even more of them now. So, Oh yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> yep. Cause she learned it in the same program that I did. And also probably from her mother. Right. Learn it from her mother first, then from the program. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But let's talk about, let's talk about, um, cream puffs and eclairs. They're made from the same po- pastry. Um, and it's a French pastry called pat a If, but we've talked about great British baking show a lot in this podcast, but if you've watched it, um, you've heard them call this pastry shoe buns. They're the same thing. It's just a different name. It's just what they call them in England. If you call them that year, they'll look at you funny. And I've accidentally done that in class. Um, but yeah, no, it, or you can call them shoe pastry too. And that's the easiest way to say, it. but it's pat a shoe. It's, it's pat with a hat and a is accented. So. Right. Yeah. Pat a shoe. Anyway. Um, shoe pastry can actually be kind of difficult because you've got to get the temperatures exactly right for them to work out, which is probably why your sister was so proud of herself when she figured out how to make them because it's not easy. It's it's hard. It's hard work. Um, but it's also fun. This is one of my favorite ones to make because it's so fun, um, which is why we're talking about it today. So <laughs> let's go over the method a little bit for a, a shoe pastry um because cream puffs are yummy most people like cream puffs I know people who don't and that's because they don't like the filling so you don't have to use pastry cream you could just use chantilly cream we'll talk about that in a minute though um so the method is this basically you're going to melt butter in water milk salt and sugar in a saucepan over medium heat um then you're going to stir that all together and you're going to add that flour all at once I don't have exact measurements right now because I can't find my recipe book from school and I'm about to cry. Not really, but I I really <laughs> want to find that book. Um, anyway. It's there. Uh, she, just yeah. had, she just hasn't used it since she moved. And so it was probably put in one of the boxes that hasn't been done, right? Uh, well, no, I have used it since then. I'm really scared that I left it at the Airbnb when we went mm. for Christmas. Because I made a lot of pie uh, at Christmas. Hopefully not. I hope not. I'm, yeah, I really hope not. Because 
If you stay at an Airbnb and there's a little red notebook, there should be a phone number on the front. Please call me and let me know. <laughs> it's in St. George. Um, anyway, I'm off, I'm off on, way, on a huge tangent. So you're going to add flour in. Once you've got all that other stuff mixed in, you're going to add the flour in all at once. Um, so you're not forming weird gluten bonds. And right. you're going to stir that for a minute or two in, over the heat. And then once sort of a dough ball forms, you're going to turn that over into a mixing bowl. And you're going to um, either the bowl of like a stand mixer or you're going to want your hand mixer. That's the other one. You're going to want your hand mixer ready. And then you're going to just you're going to mix that for a minute or two. And that helps it to cool down a little bit and not too much, though, because if you cool your dough down too much, it's not going to be pipeable. You're not going to be able to get it out of the piping bag and you kind of have to pipe these. Um, but you do want it to cool a little bit so that the eggs don't scramble because now you're adding in some beaten eggs in batches until the dough becomes kind of shiny and smooth, but it's not runny. And usually, honestly, about two thirds of the eggs that a recipe calls is call, yeah, calls for are actually necessary. And they do that because the dryness of your flour, the humidity, the there's a lot of different factors that play into how many eggs you'll need. Um, but usually you don't need as many as the recipe actually calls for. You just kind of have to eyeball it. Um, look up pictures if you need to of what the dough should look like. Um, so yeah, so don't, but don't let it cool down too much. The eggs are gonna cool it down even more um, because it won't pipe if you, if you cool it down too much. So once you've got your eggs in, everything's shiny and pretty, you're gonna put your mixture into a piping bag and you're gonna pipe that sucker into, uh, or onto, sorry, not into, a parchment lined baking sheet. Uh, you're gonna do little swirlies for your cream puffs. They sort of look like kind of piles of dough, but you swirl it. And then little lines for eclairs. And your oven, now this is, the, this is one of the tricky parts. Your oven, I believe the temperature is 350. That's what I might put in my notes, but again, I can't find my notebook, so I don't know if that's accurate. Um, it's gonna be at 350 for 10 minutes. And you don't wanna open the oven at all during this time. And then the temperature, you lower it to 325 for the remaining time. You know the pastry, I don't have a number. It's usually like, I don't know, an additional 12 minutes or something, but I don't have an exact number because I know the pastry is done when it has cracks it looks golden brown and it no longer has an eggy smell. When Padashu bakes, it smells like straight up eggs. But when it's done baking, that egg smell is gone. <laughs> um, and when it's cooled, you, you take them out of the oven, you let them cool off. You take your, um, your shoe pastry, your cream puffs, that's the one. You take your cream puffs and you're gonna fill them with pastry cream, which we'll talk about how to make in a different podcast, and Chantilly cream, which is basically, it's just whipped cream with vanilla and sugar. So it's what normal people think of as whipped cream, but people in the baking world think whipped cream is just cream that has been whipped, and Chantilly cream is with sugar and vanilla. So that's what you're gonna do with your eclair, or I mean your cream puff. With your eclair, you're gonna do that same thing and then maybe dip it in chocolate or not. We didn't in school, but you can. Um, you can, my, my sister used to put vanilla pudding in them because they people, yeah. people like it better. So that is, yes, people do like vanilla pudding better than pastry cream sometimes. 
if if pastry cream is made correctly and is not jelly because it's cooled too much when you eat it, then it should be fine. But if pastry cream cools too much, the texture is gross. Mm. Um, but we'll talk about that more in a later podcast. And hopefully I will have found my recipe book. <laughs> and if not, please, if you find it, call the phone mm. number. It, it takes two minutes to call. And then I know where my precious recipes are, why the phone number is on the front. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about some tips for, for Patashu so that you don't botch it like I did the first time I made it. The first time I ever made Patashu was before culinary school because I like to bake. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to make the pastry cream. I didn't know how to make the shoe. But gosh darn it, I felt like having cream puffs, so I was going to try it. And the first time I made them, they came out flat as pancakes out of the oven. And they wouldn't even hold filling because they were so flat. I don't know what I did. Something <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Maybe I opened the oven too quickly. I don't know. But anyway, so here are some tips so you don't end up like me. Um, don't overmix it once it's out of the saucepan. That's a huge one. We talked about that a little bit er earlier. Um, Overmixing it, it's going to cool that dough down too much. It's going to make it hard to pipe. And it's going to form more gluten bonds, which will make the pastry tough. Like we talked about with pie, like we talked about with bread and the other podcast. Just just overmixing is just bad. Um, you overmix if you want rocks. You overmix if you want rocks or if you want bread but then it's not over mixing it's just a mixing the appropriate amount anyway right. um okay but really don't open the oven in the first 10 minutes and let's talk about a little bit about why your buns are going to go flat there's no leavener in this mixture if you noticed um so these buns require a lot of hot air expansion inside them in order to rise so basically what we're talking about is little bubbles inside the patashu becoming big bubbles and that's what's giving it the rise. Um, that's also where you put your cream is in those holes. In those bubbles. That's why you need it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's why, why you, you need, need it, it not to yep. fall. Yeah. Um, they've got to get big. The heat is the thing that's going to make them big. So opening that oven is going to cause the oven temperature to drop and it's going to make your pastry collapse. About... 10 minutes into baking though your pastries should be firm enough to hold um but you probably still shouldn't open the oven until they're until you think they're done um and like we talked about before you were looking for cracks you're looking for um golden brown on top no more eggy smell but the definitive way to tell if a shoe bun is done is to cut one open and see if it's still mushy inside if it looks set in the middle and doesn't taste eggy they're done take those out um, but if it's still kind of gooey in there and like i don't know if it if you smell it and it smells like eggs you might want to leave them in for a couple more minutes um but yeah once once they hit that nice little sweet spot pop those suckers out make well you should have your pastry cream made already uh let them cool <laughs> fill them up and enjoy it's it's super fun and filling them is actually a lot of fun in school we didn't actually like use a syringe to fill them or anything 
we just cut the tops off and then put the cream in <laughs> and then put the tops back on top. It's Which the easiest way to do it. What my sister used to do because it was just yep. quick and easy. Super easy. Put the top back on and it's, it sticks back on because you got the cream that it's sticking to. Exactly. Not too much cream though because as my chef would say, you want as much cream as you can eat cleanly on a first date. So if you have too much cream in there, it's going to run all over your hands and fingers and you'll look gross. <laughs> <laughs> we used to try to see how much cream we could get into them. <laughs> well, see, that's, that's fun for if you're just at home. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different purpose, right? <laughs> but if you're serving them to someone else, <laughs> then you want to be careful. <laughs> But yeah, so that's that's what I've got to say about those types of pastry this week. There are, of course, thousands of other types of pastry, but those are the two that I know the best. And it's what we talked about because I have the information on them. Perfect. And before we stop, we go off pastries. What is, if you were going to say, okay, this is the pie that I like to eat the best, what would be? Oh, man. It's hard for me to answer. I ask people that question when I want to get to know them, but it's hard for me to answer. That's why I asked you, because I think that's a question you said that you like to ask. <laughs> um, my mother makes two pies that have never been eclipsed in my life. She makes, I, I talked about her chocolate cream, which is just heaven. And then she also makes a lemon sour cream pie. Mm. And dude... That pie is the best pie of all of the pies. I don't I know how she you, does I, it. I think you owe me a pie, so you need to figure out how to make that one. Oh, man. She's got to teach me. She's yes, got to she teach me and it. send me the recipe. It's so good. <laughs> that pie is so good. I don't know how she does it. Lemon is not even my favorite flavor. But if I had to choose between those two pies, having them, I would choose the lemon. Yeah. And you, it's me. I'm I'm chocolate lady. But I would choose the lemon one. Well, the lemon one crazy. sounds like one I would really like. So that's. Yeah, it's real good. You would like it. Um, oh, the other one, though. There's a third. And this one I invented. <laughs> sort of. Um, I made it for Christmas. Or Thanksgiving. What, what, what did we have right. last? Thanksgiving? Yes, we had Thanksgiving last. Um, it's an eggnog pie. Hmm. Which is super delicious, and it's so fun to make because you're you basically just make a normal pie filling, but instead of cream, you use eggnog, and you add a little bit more nutmeg in there, and it's delicious. It's very good. Um, so yeah, those are my three favorites. I guess they're all cream pies, but I really do like fruit pie too. <laughs> Perfect. So we've been going for a little bit, so we could probably end here. We probably even need to do a rant from a hat today you actually covered a lot of information so yeah that's perfect so what about bacon yeah get it get you going <laughs> you're gonna keep going right yeah <laughs> so the do you have an idea of what we're talking about next week so next week i thought that we would do a companion piece to this week's podcast and we'll talk about um pastry cream and custards different type of di different types of custards things that you might fill pie with or, right. or Patashu. Right. So that's what we'll talk about next week. Perfect. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for 
sharing your knowledge, Andrea, so we can all learn, because I actually learned quite a bit from this one. So Yay. <laughs> okay. Thanks. We'll talk to you later. Share, share this with people. We really, really, really want people to start hearing these because Andrea has a lot she wants to share. So Yes, and I enjoy sharing it. So thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to My Own Little Soapbox with Andrea Bean Gibson and Dr. Brandt Gibson. We'll be back next week with another discussion from Andrea's Soapbox. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know and share it with your friends, too. And if there's a subject you would like considered, please leave a comment so Andrea can discuss it in a future episode. My Own Little Soapbox.